Welcome back to episode 6 of Holy Trinity Deep Dive. Last time I analyzed Trash of the Count's family, I left off with Kale saying Cheon could pay him back by going to the capital with Rosalind and Locke. Locke, while being an injured kid, is the heir to the Wolf King, and it is possible for him to transform into a wolf. Rosalind was the princess of a neighboring kingdom who was returning to her kingdom after surviving a assassination attempt. She's known to be strong, cold, and logical, and she has the most explosive strength after Jaan. Her goal is to create the continent's greatest magic tower. We're also told after learning about these new characters, that there is a very descriptive scene in Birth of a Hero where the Archduke who attempted to assassinate Rosalind is tortured by Bikroxe, which might explain some of Kale's fear for Bikroxe. Kale also goes on to explain that the world has other races such as elves, dwarves, and beast people. However, the beast people were the most secretive race. And the beast people include beasts, birds, and even insects. And they were different from monsters because of the existence of their conscience. And since Locke is one of these such beast people and has the purest blood of the wolf people, Locke had received the bloodline to dominate the wolves. And it's also said that beast people with the purest bloodline tend to look weak and average when they are in their animal form or their human form. However, once they enter their berserk state, they become more cruel and violent than anyone else. After learning that in the novel, Locke was the only survivor of the entire Blue Wolf tribe, it seems like Kale's just collecting orphans at this point because what well, there's four of them. The two siblings that he feeds, Taeon and now Locke. And since Kale's been kind of taking care of the kids and he took in Taeon, I feel like Kale's going to take care of Locke too. Then we learn about the next villain who is a marquis who led one of the noble factions. And throughout the beginning of the novel, he gets in the way of the crown prince and Cheon. I mean, he ends up getting beat by the second volume, but Cheon runs into the Marquis for the first time when traveling to the capital. The Marquis is also the one who raised the crazy dragon, so he tortured a baby dragon from birth till it went insane and used its life force to escape the mana-restricting chains. So automatically our orphan counter went up to five because now there's this dragon. But even though the guy sounds really horrible, the Marquis, I doubt he'll cause Kale that many problems. We also learn that when the dragon escapes, it loses its rationality and goes berserk. So in the novel, Cheon is staying in that village and he ends up fighting the black dragon and killing it. In the novel, it says the eyes of this dragon had lost its rationality, were in pain and full of sorrow. However, the black dragon's mouth was smiling, 
and Cheon found that to be extremely sad. So Cheon ends up killing the black dragon and gifting it the freedom called death. And we learn that Kale is going to that very village. So I hope Kale saves the dragon, and I think he will, regardless of what he is saying about trying to avoid the situation. And then the next day, he talks to Ron first thing in the morning, and Ron's talking about how it's going to be Kale's first time outside of the Hentuse territory. And then Ron goes on to say, I'm very good at hunting rabbits. I will hunt some rabbits for you when we are camping outside and then proceeds to explain how to do it, how you need to be careful when handling a small animal like a rabbit that gets scared easily since you don't know when or how it will run. You need to pay attention to the surroundings and kill it in an instant. Then he also says you need to remove the innards after catching it and I'm also very good at that. And then Ron mimics cutting a rabbit open. At this point, I know he's just doing this to mess with Kale to see what reaction he'll get because Ron finds Kale's supposed new attitude amusing. But I wonder how Ron's going to react when he finds out the truth that that's not actually Kale anymore. And then before he has to leave, he heads to the slums one more time, much to the disappointment of the bakers because they want that money. And Kale sees the kids again. He just pretends not to notice. But I'm just thinking at the moment, Kale, of course that's your reaction, but you fed these poor kids and you've given them medicine and they're on the streets. And then the next second, you're like, what kids? I didn't even do anything. But after he feeds the bread into the darkness in the hole of the man-eating tree, it becomes lighter and the tree begins to speak, saying more and more, I will give you a present if you bring me more. And at present, Kale's eyes immediately started sparkling. And I'm starting to get concerned with his excitement at everything because it makes it seem like his past was even sadder. But once he finally... Did, the ancient power actually starts talking to him saying it was so so good and Kale thinks right after that that voice was so obnoxious and then the voice goes on to continue saying that soft texture of bread I especially like the third bag of bread you brought and the voice is pretty much evaluating the taste of the bread and Kale sits there stunned thinking this was not in the novel but after it continues talking about the different types of bread, it mentions the ancient times, which Kale becomes interested in. And the voice says, Things like this were not available in ancient times. The people of the forest of darkness claimed to be servants of a god, yet only gave me tasteless things. I was naturally banished from that place. They said I was a glutton. Of course I left with my friends. We are planning on putting the world back on the right track. Kale thought that was going to go somewhere, but the voice immediately went back to talking about food and other useless things. And when Kale tries to speak, saying, yes, it was an amazing professional evaluation, the spirit continues to cut Kale off, saying, wow, you understand my evaluation. You're a really good guy. But... Because of this, the black 
man-eating tree started to turn white and it slowly started to grow green leaves. When Kale got the power, a bright light wrapped around him and started to absorb into his body and all the absorbed light gathered at his heart. And when he got the ancient power, he, there was a small like shield tattoo over his heart. And when he was talking about how powerful it was, he's saying, like, this shield can last 10, no, at least 5 minutes when someone of Jayon's caliber tries to kill him with all their strength. He's really prepared for Jayon to just turn on him. His one complaint about this, though, is that it seems too divine. And, of course, that's his complaint. And he's also saying how he's not going to use it at all. And why do I feel like that's not true? He's definitely going to save someone's life in some flashy way. But he'll definitely like the reward he'll probably get from that, though. And on the way back, he sees those two cats he first met when he was meeting Taeon. And he reveals that the two cats are the brother and sister he's been feeding. Because the silver kitten had a faint smell of medicinal herbs that he'd given to the girl. And when he'd picked up the kittens earlier, he could also smell the beef steak and baking cream pasta he had given them this morning. And I was really impressed because he had to be very observant to realize that. And since he came from a normal world where none of this should be possible, like this, is, this shouldn't even be an outcome that comes to mind. Then after Kale brings them back and gives them to Han, he goes to leave, saying, I have a promise to keep and some to meet. And Han goes, young master, you're going to keep a promise. And I feel like this was such a serious moment with learning the secret about the kids and being the cats. And then the author absolutely shatters the tension. And then Han also says that Ron, Jaeon, and B. Crocsay are starting to get along. And Kale smiles, relieved. And Han continues saying, they also seem excited about serving you. And then Kale immediately, his face changes, and it looks like he's lost his appetite. That was hilarious. The slightest, like, he seems so temperamental. The slightest thing can ruin his day. And then Kale goes to the fragrance of tea with poetry before leaving. That Pirose, the illegitimate child of the Flynn Merchant Guild, runs and orders three teas. And then Kale compares Pirose to Hong Gildong, a Korean outlaw during the Joseon dynasty, who had a similar story of being an illegitimate son. I'm surprised at Kale's knowledge considering he was an orphan with a seemingly bad life in his past life. And I didn't think he'd have a very good education. And he doesn't seem the type to try and learn all this when he's an adult because of his lazy nature. And then Biluse also notices how Kale is different during their conversation where Kale's saying, just because I've been... A trash, just because you've been somewhere your whole life doesn't mean you should change. And he once again accidentally creates another relationship. 
Though I'm not sure why he wouldn't think relating to someone's tough situation wouldn't create some kind of bond with Bilrusa illegitimate child for so long and wanting to change and Kale being the trash for so long and wanting to change. And then Cheon and Ron show up at the tea shop and Kale gets Ron a lemon tea. First of all, I want to know how Kale knew when they were getting there and ordered those teas in time. And of course, Kale had to be vindictive and get Ron lemon tea. But before Cheon and Ron were there, they were looking around for things for Cheon. With Pikroxe, they got a sword made by the same blacksmith as the one who made Pikroxe's cooking knife. And Pikroxe wants to fight Cheon. Cheon says, I will not fight against someone who's trying to cut someone else with a cooking knife. And Pikroxe says, huh, what a funny punk. What do I need bring a bloodied sword like you and Cheon, clearly taking kale's words to heart says i will now be someone who protects and pigrox is just like what the heck are you saying so we got to see more of Cheon and pigrox's relationship and man do they not get along and ron also showed up in time to hear kale's proclamation about how he can't live his trash forever and Ron even goes as far as to like admitting to himself he doesn't like seeing Beluse and Kale close. And he says, I guess even dislike creates affection. And Jayon thought he was talking to him and said, I don't want my dislike of you turning into affection. And I'm surprised that Ron, the stoic assassin, is willing to admit that to himself. This also made me really sad because this probably means Ron didn't like the original Kale, even though he practically raised him and was his father. And I find it hard to believe the original Kale didn't care for him because in the beginning it said Kale treated Ron as human more compared to others. So that's just heartbreaking. And the reason Ron wants to go to the capital is he wants to learn about what happened in the past. Like, he wants to uncover the details about why the past happened. After Jayon came from the forest of darkness and had that murderous aura, which is the same as the reason Ron had to hide out in the Hentuse territory and escape from the eastern continent. So he wanted to find the people responsible. And Ron also states that Kale was someone he looked after even more than his own son, Pikroxe. And that even though he'd known Kale had done some terrible things and his terrible personality, Ron remembered how the young Kale had consoled his father when his mother died and how Kale hated his stepmother and family, but he never caused a ruckus with them even when drunk, which just makes the original Kale sound even sadder. Back at the house, Ron meets the two beast children, saying one child is fog and the other is poison. And Ron's saying you should train them as a goodbye gift for Kale. And the sister's name is On, which could possibly be the Chinese characters for conceal because she can control fog, as Ron said. And then the red kitten, the younger brother, Hong. His name probably comes from the Chinese character for red. 
But we learned that the two kids or the two kittens were kicked out of the fog cat tribe. So I wonder why they were kicked out, though. And Kale is leaving the Hentuse's territory and is heading toward the capital in four days. And I wonder if Kale finds that world's mode of transportation annoying or if he likes the extra time to be a slacker. And Kale decides he doesn't want a lot of servants, so he'd rather just have an extravagant, fancy carriage and have less people. And there's a little sibling interaction with Lily, Kale's younger sister, saying, have a safe trip. And Kale saying he'll get both of them a present on the trip. And Cheon approaches him before they leave, saying, is it okay for me not to be in the same carriage? And Kale's just thinking, why would you even need to be in the same one? Like, why would you want to be? And Kale just really does not understand how much of an effect he had on Cheon. Kale also notices how quickly Cheon's recovered because of him, not that he'll admit it. And we learn that the vice captain of the territory's night brigade had been looking down on Cheon because he'd hidden his abilities to that of an average level. And Kale was thinking that he actually feels bad for the vice captain, not for Cheon for being looked down upon, because when he realizes how blind he was, as Kale puts it, when he realizes that his eyes were not just at the ground, but completely underground, he's not going to be able to sleep very well, and he's just going to be absolutely scared. And Kale's viewpoint is very different from everyone else's and very refreshing. But they run into some bandits, and Ron says, Young Master, it looks like we will need to take a break. There seem to be quite a lot of rabbits here. And I feel so bad for Kale because Ron is constantly making fun of him. And Kale knows Ron is an assassin, so this is not good for his heart. Kale was thinking that he's being protected by someone scarier than the bandits. And Cheon asks if he's feeling unwell afterwards. And he thinks Kale's not feeling well because of the fighting, but it's because of Ron. And Kale also is like facing potential death. Do you know how much I've been nervous the last few days because of you, Cheon? And then they start traveling again. They get to a village, and in three days, the Black Dragon will cause a mana explosion. So we get more information about the timing of things. And Han and Cheon go to find an inn. And Kale says hurry back. And first of all, that interaction is so heartwarming. Secondly, he's definitely worried for Cheon, but not willing to admit it. And then we finally meet the evil Marquis, whose name is Venin Stan. And after he almost hits a, as he puts it, peasant... Cheon gets agitated and starts arguing with him. And Kale actually deals with the situation quite well. I wonder how is he so good at dealing with nobles? Because it's not like there were nobles in his past life. And while talking to Venon, Venon says, I had not had any reason to come to this area and have only heard stories, but I heard there was someone in the Count's family who was a free spirit and did not seem like a noble. 
and I heard that young Master Basin and Tuse had been taking part in all of the gatherings of the Noble since last year. And Kale just goes like, bam. Yeah, I am indeed that trash. One of the trashiest of all the trash, probably. And there goes Kale once again, breaking everyone's expectations. Like, he was not pulling out any stops. And then Benning keeps talking, and Kale goes, Of course, I was quietly listening, but I wasn't really paying attention to a dog's yapping. Like, dang. Then he sugar talks him, saying... He'll make a good patriarchy for his family. And then Kale leans down to touch the commoner's shoulder that had almost been hit by Venon. And he says, hey, he's like saying, are you okay? And the commoner's like, oh my gosh, you're so kind. And then Kale's like, you know, the closest place to drink. And then the hand that Kale touched the commoner with, he goes to shake Venon's hand with. Venon won't shake his hand. Then Che Un's wondering why Kale's not angry. And Kale's pretty much like, there's no use in getting angry at situations like this when you can't really control him. But he also says it doesn't matter because he will probably be kicked out of his house soon. And Kale's saying, I plan on snatching his dragon. So he's going to get revenge. And he's like, Che An, if you want to help, go ahead. And then, before they go to save the dragon, we learn Kale rented a mana disturbance tool for 20 million columns. But he claims not to care about the dragon, but that's a lot of money. And then Kale asks the two kittens, the beast tribe cats, to hide it in the mountain by the villa where the dragon is. So they can, you know, cause all the mana tools to not work. And then Kale talks to Cheon about, like, the quote-unquote, dragon-like creature he'd seen. But, yeah, that's not what a dragon is. Because dragons are like people. They have a consciousness, they have emotion and lives. And Kale says that such an existence has fallen into darkness since it was born. The only thing currently lighting up the darkness in its life is torches. And it has never seen the light of the sun. What kind of life do you think it is having? is being forced to become an existence without rationality. It has had to suffer through its loneliness without any family or anything to lean on. It is tortured and abused every day and is only left alone when it is barely alive, and that existence is nearby. Jayan is recalling during all of this the tens of years he had to survive on his own in the forests of darkness, and then Jayan asks, are you going to try and tame it? Kale says, are you crazy? Why would I try to tame it? The dragons, there's not that many in the world. They're extremely arrogant, and if you raise the dragon, Kale would get wrapped up in some annoying incidents, and, you know, that's not what he wants. So, Xiao An is speaking to Kale that mention, saying, wow, like, we're really gonna... And then Kale immediately says, go tell Ron to prepare some alcohol. And he caught us all off guard with that last statement. And then, while he's drinking, Shao-An's asking if this is okay, and Han says, well, there's nothing in his hand, and I don't think Cheon was worried about him throwing stuff. He's more worried about him drinking in the middle of the day. And, like, the knights actually showed up with helmets on so they wouldn't get hit. And we learn that Kale actually doesn't get drunk easily. His face just flushes easily. So all this time was the original Kale never actually drunk. 
If so, what was his motivation to act as trash? Kale also made up kind of a crude outfit of the organization with like the black outfit with the white star and the five red stars because it's the organization that gave Venon the egg so he's pretending to be someone else so that they don't get caught which is really smart and Chowan's a bit like mm, I recognize this those are the assassins that killed my village They're like what are we doing but after Kale explains he immediately agrees and it's hilarious he's like yes I do want to screw over Venon and Kale just quickly goes, he's Cheon, this is On, and this is Hong. And I'm like, that introduction definitely cleared up everything, Kale. Absolutely didn't create any questions. Like, yeah, right. Kale refuses to jump out the window and he's like, carry me. And Chao An just starts sighing. Kale's like a damsel in distress. That's actually the mastermind orchestrating everything and pretending to be weak. But Kale actually thinks he's weak for some reason. And there's not that many people guarding the dragon because over the years they realized it's a remote place that no one goes to. And since Cheon is a sword master, he easily defeats everyone. And the cats paralyze them. And they honestly work so well together. It seems like they've been working together for years. Kale says something and they immediately know what he wants them to do. And they finally see the dragon, a small figure about a meter long that was laying on a stack of hay in the corner. And it had chains on all of its limbs. And Kale says how he likes the dragon's gaze. It was a very strong gaze and it had not lost its will to live just yet. And he says, what a nice gaze. That seems like some foreshadowing. And Venon's last line of defense was this area. If you punch it, it creates this doorway. It's like this pressure mechanism. And even though Venon is a horrible person, that's actually pretty cool. And literally, Kale's carrying the dragon out. He's like, oh my gosh, it's so heavy, but I'm not going to waste all this energy or all this time and money I spent just to throw it. Like, Kale, you're seriously having second thoughts about saving a dragon because you have to carry it and it's heavy. Kale also says that after freeing this dragon and saying goodbye to Jayon in the next city, he's planning to gain the ancient power vitality of the heart to strengthen his shield, and only then will he use the shield. And then Kale literally goes and says, no wonder it got tortured for four years because it won't back down, and that's why Kale personally liked this dragon. It was different from himself. Growing up being abused as an orphan, Kale welcomed Roksu had given in. After that, he didn't want to be the main character of a story like Chayon. After giving in at a place he called home, he didn't think he had the strength to fight against the world. He dropped an absolute bombshell and then just continued on with the story like that was normal. Like, no wonder he gets so excited about gifts and just food. But he cuts off the mana-restricting chain and pours the mana potion and the dragon gets healed immediately and the kale says i will not take care of you which the dragon immediately calls him out on and i was like dang kale i think this means you're going to take care of the dragon and dragon's saying he absolutely hates humans but the dragon was paying more attention to him than the sky he'd never seen before and at the end of the chapter while kale's going to sleep 
The dragon's sitting there, becoming invisible with magic, tightly clutching the bag of potions that Kale had given him. And, like, Kale's definitely going to take care of the dragon. That's the end of this analysis. I'm super excited to see what happens with the dragon. It's going to be super interesting. And I can't wait to see what happens at the capital. But next episode, I'm going to be analyzing more chapters of S-Class that I raised.